excited to uh, begin this new sermon series as we explore these three weeks uh, looking at the Gospel of John and exploring the, so a couple of different things that Jesus claims about himself that he is to us and for us. And this morning, I'm very excited because we actually have a guest preacher with us. This is a uh, young gal who grew up here in this church, graduated and uh, was sent off into the world. Uh, she went to school and then has been serving in ministry with InterVarsity, serving the Purdue University Northwest campus, ministering to the students there, evangelizing, shepherding, uh, disciple making, training them to evangelize and make disciples. And uh, since it's the summer and this is a good time for her to return, she has returned back here home and she's gonna proclaim the gospel for us this morning. Uh, Morgan Folgers grew up here, like I said, and I'm so proud to have her here to proclaim the gospel to us. If you want to know about her work and more about what she's doing, she's actually gonna have a table after service out in the atrium that you can get to know her and hear her story and hear about her work there at Purdue University, the Northwest campus. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to welcome Morgan to come up and preach for us. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Eric. It is a joy to be here and to be home in the Sauk Valley area. It's, I grew up here, so this area will always have a special place in my heart. So before we jump in today, I want to paint two pictures for us. So I want to invite all of you to use your imagination. For some of us, this might be easy to access. For some of us, it may not, but I still wanna challenge you a little bit in this. So number one, I want you to imagine that you are a sheep. And as you can see, I have a picture of sheep up on the screen to represent what we're getting into. This is an example of sheep in the Middle East, which ties in with our passage today in John. I want you to imagine you are a sheep. I know that is hard and far-fetched, but I want us to press in a little deeper. You can imagine any setting, whether it's Northern Illinois or Jerusalem, the setting of our passage. As a sheep, you are a smaller animal with a heavy set of wool, and I want you to imagine that you are carrying that around on a 100-degree day. You are in a pasture with about 30 other sheep, as was common in Middle Eastern culture. You realize you are hungry and thirsty, but all you can see is a stream with a fast-moving current. Goodness, if you were to venture over there, you would surely be swept away by the current, and you would surely drown because of the weight of your wool. So you find yourself in a bit of a predicament. How in the world are you supposed to satisfy your thirst and your hunger? As you desperately look upon the lush green pastures around you, you wonder if it's safe to venture outside. Suddenly, you notice an intruder. You have never seen this person before. He smiles at you and beckons you to follow him. Even though he is smiling, you are not sure that you trust him entirely and completely. You sense malice behind the smile. And as a cloister of sheep begins following the stranger, you notice that he is leading them towards the rapid rushing waters that you are trying to avoid. Then you see another person, but this time you don't feel nervous or scared because you know this human. He is the shepherd of the sheepfold. Time and time again, he has helped you find the freshest water and the greenest of grass. You know his voice, his demeanors, his smile, his unique calls. You know that when he beckons you out of the sheepfold, 
He truly cares about you and wants to make sure you get what you need. So without hesitation, you ignore the voice of the intruder and you follow the shepherd. So now we are going to continue in imagination land and I want us to pretend that we are in first century Jerusalem at the eastern bank of the Jordan River, which is the setting of this passage. You are Jewish, so you are very familiar with God's law in the Old Testament and your whole life has been preparing and longing for the coming of the Messiah, the one who will redeem the Jewish people from the oppression and control of the Roman Empire. As you are walking in one of the marketplaces of Jerusalem, you notice a group of Pharisees, religious leaders, talking in hushed tones. You can't make out all of what they are saying, but the pieces that stick out to you. Demon-possessed and raving mad. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Confused, you linger in a corner, trying to make sense of what is happening. You hear continued talk of a teacher from Nazareth called Jesus, who has just addressed many of your Jewish friends and family about shepherds and sheep. But why would a good teacher be talking about shepherds and sheep? After all, you and your Jewish friends and family own sheep. How is this significant, and why would a teacher be talking like this? And then you hear information that blows your mind and captivates you. This teacher claims to be the son of God. You struggle to make sense of this. A teacher who claims to be the son of God a teacher who claims to be the Messiah? It's clear that some of the Pharisees are upset about this and are calling it blasphemous. But what if this teacher truly is the Son of God? What if this teacher truly is the Messiah? What if this teacher is the one to deliver Israel from oppression? And whoa, you also hear from the Pharisees that this Jesus just healed a man who had been blind all of his life. There is a lot to process here, and you are left with the question, who is Jesus? and how can I learn more about him? We may have similar questions as the characters in this illustration, the Jewish people and the sheep. Why should we follow the good shepherd? Why is Jesus a shepherd? Why is Jesus portrayed as a gate? These are the questions I want us to answer today. As your speaker today, I want to invite you to identify the ways you need help in your life. Maybe you are overwhelmed with the to-dos of the everyday. Maybe you feel like everything, your job, your kids, your family, your friends, your ministry is on your shoulders right now. Maybe you feel alone in suffering and loss. Maybe you feel emptiness. Do you need healing? Do you need guidance? Do you need to be reminded that you are not alone? No matter how you are coming into this space, I believe Jesus wants to meet you where you are at. As we go through the text of Jesus as our good shepherd, let's keep these questions marinating in the back of our minds. At the end of this talk, I believe Jesus has a next step for you. So let's investigate this together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of this day. We are reminded that you are the God of every day, that you are the God who meets us and heals us and brings us into new life, into new hope and you usher us into that even in an even deeper way through Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just pray for hearts of openness in this room. Will we respond to your voice? Will we respond to your invitation as we go through the text of Jesus as our good shepherd? Because we recognize Jesus is our everything and Jesus brings us abundance and Jesus brings us life. So we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so before we jump in, I want 
to talk about the text. So where we have been in John, first of all, the Gospels tell the story of who Jesus. And Jesus has just called the Pharisees out in a situation with a man who had been blind before birth. Jesus healed the man and revealed himself as the Son of Man or God's Messiah. And the Pharisees are resistant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. They see Jesus as a fraud and a sinner, which leads us into John 10, the text we're studying today. Jesus is addressing a context that has seen generations of false shepherds, generations of people who have done things in the name of God falsely, generations of people who have only done things for their own glory and power and gain. The image of Jesus as our good shepherd is one of the most important images in scripture. As we study the Bible more and more, we begin to notice how shepherding is not unique to the Gospel of John. Rather, it is foundational and a crucial part of the overarching scripture narrative. So the three stark pieces I want us to focus on today are, Jesus is the shepherd and the gates. The shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know him. And there is one flock and one shepherd. So what does it mean that Jesus is a shepherd? Aren't shepherds lowly and unimportant? Why would Jesus, fully God and fully human, define himself as the good shepherd? So let's jump into the passage. So we are gonna start with verses one to six. So the first paragraph, we see that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, the religious leaders who believe they fully understand, live out, and follow God's law. Not all of the Pharisees were self-righteous, but many of them were. Jesus calls them out in order to fully lead them to following him and accepting him as the Messiah. Jesus is bringing about the illustration that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, also called sheepfold, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. He also makes it clear that the one who enters by the gate is the true shepherd of the sheep. The reason why Jesus explains it this way is because these people who claim to be shepherds are keeping the sheep from entering through the gates that will bring them to the green pastures they need and were designed for. And there is a lot of power in Jesus contrasting himself to the fake shepherds of Israel. The Jewish people had been hurt by false shepherds and kings for generations. And we can see that if we take a deeper look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. The people have been longing for a good king to bring them into wholeness and life. But all they had received is kings who only care about power and taking advantage of the people. With this, without a shepherd, sheep wandered over mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Sheep needed that guidance to get what they needed, just like the people of Israel needed guidance to get what they needed. And this is how the people of Israel felt in this moment. They felt forgotten because of this. The shepherd deeply cares about the sheep as he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. With that, he goes ahead of them to check for danger and to ensure this, the sheep safely arrive at green pastures and still waters. They can't cross the waters without the shepherd. This passage gives us a contrast between the bad shepherding of the Pharisees and the good shepherd. And then we see that the sheep will not follow a stranger. They only follow when they recognize someone's voice. So now we're gonna jump into the next section of the text, which is verses seven through 13. In this passage, we see that Jesus is reiterating his point in response to the confusion and lack of understanding of the Pharisees. He again makes it clear that those who have come before him to lead the sheep are in the same category as thieves and robbers. 
or people who manipulate and steal life from the sheep. Jesus affirms that through him, there is abundance of life. The thieves and the robbers do not care about the sheep, and they bring harm to the sheep. They manipulate, destroy, and sneak through the gate. They do not merely snatch goods, but they take the lives of the sheep. And starting in verse 11, Jesus establishes himself as the good shepherd. And there is power in Jesus's words because we see Jesus is promising a good shepherd and king to bring redemption to all people, and that is himself. And finally, we see that the wolves attack and scatter the sheep, as expressed in verse 12. As soon as the hired hands see the wolves, rather than living up to their roles of protecting the sheep, they immediately flee out of fear and selfishness. So now we're gonna jump to the last part of the text, verses 14 through 21. And in this part, we see that Jesus longs for his sheep to be in intimacy with him. We see that Jesus is reminding his listeners of the depth and beauty of the good shepherd, knowing and loving the sheep. As a result, the sheep know the way to abundance. Jesus is both the shepherd and the gate. And the love is so deep that the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. It is a beautiful image and reflection of Jesus's intimate relationship with God the Father. And it is an invitation for all listeners to step into that relationship. Jesus places emphasis on how the good shepherd brings both the residing sheep and sheep who are foreigners, which in this context, the Gentiles or non-Jewish people, into the flock. With this, the good shepherd lays down his life of his own accord since he has authority from God the Father. While all, of what Jesus is a, while all of what Jesus is preaching is an affirmation of the will and word of God, the Jews were divided in their response to Jesus. As we see in the text, some people believed him to be demon-possessed and raving mad, and some people had questions. They wanted to know more about this Jesus who was talking about shepherds and sheep and who was talking about the kingdom of God and, and himself being the son of man, the Messiah. So... We are coming with the question, why Jesus? I know our sermon series is about who Jesus is, so I know a lot of us might be asking the question, why Jesus? We see by this passage that Jesus brings the sheep to green pastures unmarred by predators and enemies that will kill the sheep. Jesus brings the sheep to still waters that won't drown the sheep or weigh them down. And when the sheep follow the shepherd, they are guaranteed abundance and life. Jesus is not in the shepherding business for his own gain. He is a shepherd because he knows what is best for the sheep. He makes a way for them. He looks ahead of them, behind them, beside them. He, unders he understands the dangers ahead of them and wants to protect them. Jesus deeply knows and loves the sheep. Because of his unrivaled intimacy, he knows what they need even before they know what they need. In all, as we look at this passage, we see so many pieces at play here. The gate, the shepherd, the sheep, the thieves and robbers, the wolves, the hired hands. They all have different roles to play in this narrative and not all of those roles are good. We see that Jesus is not afraid to call out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. He makes it very clear that every role means something different. Friends, Jesus is the shepherd and the gate. He is different than any other character in this illustration, the thieves and robbers, the hired hand, etc. 
He is not in the business of manipulating or requiring the sheep to earn his love and favor. Rather, he freely pours out his love and care. Jesus' sacrifice reflects his clear commitment to the sheep. He loves the sheep. He calls them by name. He delights in them. There's something very beautiful and powerful in this image of Jesus as shepherd. He very intentionally goes out of his way to deeply care for the sheep. He knows them. He's willing to lay down his life for the sheep no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are. He is the true security and protection for them. He guides the sheep to still waters that won't cause them to drown. He guides them to abundant pastures safe from wolves and enemies. Jesus is the gate. The way the Father's love is poured out on humanity through his life, his death, and his resurrection. No other ways lead to life, and other ways to pasture lead to danger and lack of security. Jesus doesn't use the image of the gate as a separate entity, but as a further confirmation of what it means that he is the good shepherd. And Jesus has authority. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, and the Son of Man, as he has established throughout the Gospels. And the shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know him. In Middle Eastern culture, there was a beauty in the relationship of a shepherd and a sheep. So Jesus is reminding them of this beauty and power while also reminding him that he is so much greater than any shepherd they have ever known or could have longed for. Jesus knows his sheep and the sheep know him. This is in itself reflective of the ever deepening relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Similarly, Jesus longs for his followers to respond to his voice. There is an image of belovedness here, friends that Jesus wants the sheep to know that they are beloved by him. He wants them to abide in the truth of this belovedness. And the good shepherd casts out the lies of the false shepherds that lead the sheep to believe that they are alone. And there is one flock and one shepherd. Jesus's invitation is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And listening to the shepherd's voice is understanding who he is and understanding how to obey his guidance. The sheep are not misguided when they stay in the guidance of the good shepherd. And there is an invitation for them to differentiate between the voices of the false shepherds and the one good shepherd. And this is Jesus's vision for the unity of the church, Jewish believers and Gentile believers living in one sheepfold under his leadership. So we sheep need to be shepherded. I love the image of this passage. We see that the sheep, although they do not realize it at the time, need the good shepherd. He is their lifeline. Without them, they would endure manipulation, exploitation, and death. Sheep are meek animals and need intentional guidance and direction. And they need to be trained to respond to the shepherd's voice. Friends of New Life, we are the sheep. We often think our ways are the best ways, when in reality, we don't always see the full picture. When we try to reach the pastures on our own, we are either attacked by enemies or weighed down by rushing waters. We need to know that we can go to the good shepherd and all sheep in the sheepfold and beyond need to know this too. And Jesus wants to invite us into his unrivaled, beautiful intimacy, his unrivaled love. Jesus wants what is best for the sheep, but he also wants a relationship with them. He wants them to know that they are known and loved and seen by him. He wants them to know that he meets every need and desire. He wants them to know that they, they can find their identity in him alone. Their identity isn't in finding the greenest pastures 
or the freshest waters. Their identity is in him. Similarly, we need to spend extensive time with Jesus in order to respond to his voice in our lives. Because the sheep cannot respond to the good shepherd unless they know his voice. They need to be trained to respond to the shepherd's voice. And in order to be trained, they need to spend time with the good shepherd. So I am going to tell a brief story, but this time I'm going to be telling a story from my own life. All of my life, I have known the truth about who Jesus is and how he ushers us into new life. However, even though I have been a Christian my whole life, practically, there was a crucial transition point for me in my faith journey of going from knowing Jesus loves me in my head to knowing that Jesus loves me in my heart. I will never forget that moment when I was nine years old. I will admit much of my childhood was trying to earn God's love. And even now, God is still pruning me and making me new. I wanted to be a good Christian. I wanted to do all of the right things. I wanted to please Jesus and others. So I dedicated my time and my energy to fixing myself, to serve in all the right ways, to please others. After all, isn't that what being a Christian is all about? But something was missing for me, friends. The more I strived, the more I failed and felt burnt out. If life was all about being a good Christian, where was the life? Where was the fruit? Where was the joy? Where was the freedom? Why wasn't I seeing transformation? After all, I was saying all the right things and believing all the right things, right? And then I met Jesus. I remember that moment so well. My naive nine-year-old self was dancing in the field at my parents' house, and suddenly I heard a still small voice. Morgan, I love you, and you can never earn my love for you. I delight in you. In that moment, I realized I'd been believing all the right things in my head, but those truths weren't translating in my heart. Up until that point, I believed my good works and striving were good enough to earn God's love for me. In that moment of hearing God's voice, I was reminded that I belong to him. I was reminded that his love for me is not dependent on my good works. I was reminded that I cannot do life without Jesus as my good shepherd. I was reminded that in order to pursue the goodness and wholeness in my heart and life that he has designed me for, I need to say yes to abiding fully in him. Because only he leads me to green pastures and still waters, I cannot do that on my own, friends. And as I have stepped into adulthood, as I have stepped into full-time ministry, I have been reminded time and time again that the truth of Jesus as my good shepherd reached depth in every season of following him. As I recognize my deep longing and need for him, I humble myself in his presence and I ask for his help. I bring myself, my brokenness, and the cracked pieces of my life honestly and vulnerably to him. And as a result, I experience his deep transformation that equips me to bring his light and his love to others. Because, friends, the ways Morgan loves on her own can be saturated in pride and control and stubbornness. When I love out of my own strength, I can be like the hired hands in this passage, shepherding for benefits and praise, people-pleasing and approval. But when I love out of knowing I am deeply beloved by Jesus and out of my own deep love and passion for him, my love is not suffocated by brokenness. My love radiates the wholeness and light that Jesus has designed me for. The more I go into his presence and seek his guidance, the more I live out his purpose and his plans for my life. The more I steward his image, uphold his image in everything I say and everything I do. As someone whose full-time job is to shepherd and equip college students to follow Jesus with their full lives, it is important for me to be shepherded in order to shepherd. 
as Jesus is bringing newness and wholeness and healing into my heart and life, I have the joy and the privilege of inviting college students to say yes to the Good Shepherd. I get to invite college students into the wholeness and healing I have personally experienced. And when I am shepherded by the Good Shepherd, I am equipped to lead my students to say yes to the greatest love, the greatest love I have ever known and the greatest love they will ever know. So friends, some of us may be like the people of Israel in this passage. We may have spent our lives following thieves, false shepherds, robbers, or hired hands. We may be in a place of trying to find pastures on our own, but so far these pathways have only led to our own suffocation. And maybe some of us find ourselves in the footsteps of the Pharisees. Maybe we believe we know the way to green pastures. But every time we have tried finding the pathway on our own, we've been left burnt out and purposeless. Or maybe we feel like the sheep without a shepherd. We feel stuck because we don't believe we can trust the shepherd. We believe nobody cares about our life and our flourishing. We don't believe that there is a shepherd who truly cares about us, calls us by name, and loves us unconditionally and makes us new. Friends, Jesus is the door, the shepherd, to abundant life. Jesus invites us to chase after him, our good shepherd, in a fresh way. He invites us to recognize the ways our narratives about ourselves and the Father have been skewed and misconstrued by false teachers. He invites us to recognize we cannot find rich, full pastures apart from him. He invites us to recognize that we cannot steward his love, hope, and light apart from him. While the wolves, thieves, robbers, and hired hands are only in the business of shepherding for their own benefits, Jesus is our good shepherd because he is our true love. He truly cares for his sheep. He knows them. He loves them. He longs to lead them into green pastures and still waters. He knows the sheep need him, and he loves to care for them. Jesus is both the way and the shepherd, the path to abundance, salvation, and wholeness. And he brings us true, real, beautiful life and hope. He calls us by name. He loves us. He brings deep healing into a broken, fallen, and damaged world. He enters into our stories, our suffering, our joy, every piece of who we are and what we do. He doesn't band-aid our circumstances, but meets us in the darkest pits and the deepest valleys. And he willingly died on the cross in order to fully reconcile us to God and to one another. Jesus, fully human and fully God, humbly came to earth to perfectly embody his sacrificial whole and matchless love. And as Jesus is healing us, friends, we get to step into that communal reality of God's kingdom. We get to invite every person we encounter into this healing, into this new life, into this new freedom. We get to be shepherded in order to shepherd. We get to allow Jesus to shepherd us, prune us, and guide us. But in order to do that, we must go into his presence. Because friends, we cannot shepherd on our own. Our nourishment in Jesus equips us to bring the light to everyone. Our nourishment prompts us to go and make disciples of all nations. So friends, I have three invitations for us today. Number one, do we recognize and respond to the voice of our Good Shepherd? Number two, do we trust that Jesus is trustworthy? In what ways do we need to bring our doubts and our questions to him? Number three, who in our lives needs to know the Good Shepherd? Who in our lives needs to know that Jesus changes everything? So friends of New Life, 
Will you go to Jesus? Will you say yes to him being your good shepherd? Because I promise you that yes changes everything. That yes changes our hearts, our lives, our communities, our world. That yes leads to green pastures and abundant life. That yes takes away the sin that suffocates us and clings to us closely. That yes brings us belovedness and life. That yes is everything. That yes has changed many lives for generations and generations. I have witnessed this yes change my life. I have witnessed this yes bring college students new life, hope, and healing. And I long to see our whole body, our whole community say yes to our good shepherd. Will you say yes today? Let's pray. Dear Father God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this word from the Gospel of John. We are just reminded, Lord, that you love us so abundantly that you sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us to yourself. We recognize that there is so much life, so much freedom, so much joy in your presence and through your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just pray no matter where we are coming in today, I pray that we will say yes to new life in Jesus Christ, that we will say yes to Jesus shepherding us so we can boldly and faithfully live out your light and proclaim your gospel to every corner of our world. So Lord, we love you and we pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, thank you, Morgan. Mm -hmm. Let us continue.